0: everybody so we're gonna we're gonna I mean this is gonna go deep real fast if you're brand new you're gonna like what I mean am I gonna understand what this guy's about to talk about oh yeah but it's gonna be like thought-provoking and here's where we're gonna start when you get a chocolate Easter bunny how do you eat it just for a second I know this is probably something you've not really thought about Some of you, you start with the ears. Like, it's so obvious to you right now. You're like, does anyone not start with the ears? And then some of you are like, no, I start with the tail. Or I would say the butt. (laughs) And then some of you, how about this? Let's take this another another step. Do you freeze it first? Or do you just rip the package open and eat it? Do you put milk inside of it? See, I'm blowing some of your minds (laughs) on like... How, and I just, this is something we need to wrestle with. Like this, how do you, some of you like, David, I don't eat the chocolate bunny anymore. And then there's a whole nother conversation about what Reese's has done and changed the game. And now there's peanut butter involved. And it's just like, how do we resist? Anyways, none of that has a whole lot of purpose other than this, because I wanted to get your attention. Uh, You need to get your Easter tickets. Okay, So Easter, I know Easter is like one of those holidays. Don't you wish it was like on the same day every year so you just knew when it was? Well, frankly, we observe the moon, and based on the moon is when Easter is placed. I'm actually not joking about that. It's annoying. So you may not know that Easter is like soon arriving, like six weeks-ish kind of away. And we're going to have lots of services. We've got... Multiple services planned and options for you, your friends, anyone you know. We want to make it easy for anyone to invite anyone, right? But here's the deal in how we do this. Easter, Christmas is very similar. People show up all at the same service. You've got one you like, and guess what? The person next to you probably likes that same service. And so we all show up at the same time, and we're like, oops. Now people don't have parking spots. Now people don't have seats. And so this is your chance if you're new to this. For Easter, you need to reserve your seat. Now, don't hate on this. Those of you like, I pay to go to church. No, you don't pay to go to church. These are free. You just go, you go on the app, you you go on the website, and you just reserve your tickets. There's no catch to this. There's no like, and what, what did I sign up for? No, no. You're just getting your tickets, and this is your save the date. Okay, you got it? Middle of April. It's a coming. And so I figured if I talked about chocolate, you might pay attention to this. (laughs) Everyone clear? You need to get your Easter tickets? All right. Now everyone's just thinking about chocolate. It may have not gone the way. Well, okay, what I want to do is this, is uh, spend the rest of our time. Let's learn something about God in the context of your own home, okay? I don't know what your own home is like, um, but I know that Uh, You either have family that live in your home or family nearby or family that you're super connected to. Most of us have family members, relatives, and that stirs up emotions and good emotions and all that. And you can reflect back to this is how you and your family either do or did function with each other. And what's fascinating is, is, however that played out or plays out, you pass that on, do you not? Whether when I say you pass it on, either you do the opposite or you do the same. And so, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if God has any interest to you whatsoever, and you're hoping that at least in your home or the family members that you call like, close to you or you just care about the next generation, I wanna show you something in 2 Corinthians that should stir something in our souls. It's this, 2 Corinthians 5.14, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our own life. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, what you have said, whether you use these exact words or not, is that you have died to your old life. Now, some of us got saved, right, when we were six. Like the old life, there wasn't a whole lot of mischief in the sense of maybe you kicked your brother or sister, right? But but what I could say is this, is that old life, what this is saying, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, your old ways or sinful ways, you're like, Th- that's not a part of my life anymore. When you're a follower of Jesus Christ. When you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're saying like that old authority, that old like, oh, I'm giving into this all the time. Or that, that way I used to make choices, do relationships, all that kind of stuff. It's gone now. I thought I'd see the faces that I'm seeing right now. Because some of us are like, that's supposed to happen? Because many of us would say like, well, there's been moments that I've, like the old self is dead and gone. But many of us had a day this last week, it wasn't so much that. And that messes with us. When I grew up, I went to youth camp. We talk a lot about camp, you know, in this church, it's a big deal. I used to go to youth camp every single summer, and we would learn about Jesus, um, find cute girls. There's all all great stuff that we were going to camp for. Uh, But what's interesting about camp was this. No, No matter what your intentions were in going to camp, no matter what they were, oftentimes you'd have an encounter with God. Like unexpectedly, you could have been like, I can't wait to sit next to that person. Or or we had lots of competitions, so we were all like, "Uh, we want to beat that team and all that good stuff. But you'd be in a service, and you'd be worshiping, and you would have this moment where all of a sudden, you're like, why do I feel that? Is that, is that God? And there began to be this moment where even as a teenager, you're like, I feel like I'm encountering God. It was rich and, and real. Uh, one, one youth camp, we came back. We, we were riding a uh, bus uh, and, and we were on our way back to the church where our parents would come get us. And, uh, and we were like, camp had been the greatest experience of our lives. It wasn't just me, it was like the whole bus. Full of teenagers that were singing about God, who who were like, I can't wait to to tell my school about God. Like we came back, like so on fire, as they say, about God. It, it's called a a spiritual high. And this is a good high for those of you who grew up, and you're like, I'm not supposed to get high. I get. I understand. It was. It's it's defined as a spiritual high. It's when like you, you in essence feel God. Everything about life in your brain begins to like lock into place, going everything should be about God. So when the buses arrived to the church, we contacted our families and were like you know what we don't want to go home, and no, all it sounds weird. We wanted to go inside the church building, and no joke, we as teenagers wanted to stay and just pray in our church, for our church. This is like just 14 year olds, 15 year olds, 16 year olds, on fire for God, and we did just that. We gathered up in groups all over the auditorium, all over the building, and we were just praying. We were exhausted, but we were praying. Then it spilled over to the next day. It was gonna be church on Sunday morning. My dad happens to be the pastor of the church. So he's got wind of what's going on in the youth group. We're on a spiritual high. So he, in essence, from what I remember, scraps the sermon and just one by one by one, the teenagers were just coming up saying, look, this is what God's doing in my life. I'm so excited. And it was incredible. We couldn't wait for school to start. I know that sounds weird, too. We couldn't wait for school to start because we couldn't wait to tell our teachers and our friends. We couldn't wait to play sports in a way that would honor God, to do our grades in a way that would honor God. And day one shows up, and it didn't take long for us to get distracted. (laughs) That spiritual high wasn't as high anymore. When some of us started dating someone new, when... When homework started piling up, when pressure started building, it just, the idea of being like dead to our old selves, cool camp idea, right? We're like, I'll get back to that eventually. I want you thinking of that, okay? my guess is you might have experienced this at some point in your life, an encounter with God that was so epic and awesome. You almost maybe had goosebumps or whatever. And you're like, whoa, this is incredible. But then I bring up that, yeah, the old way is done. And you're like, that's not really looking like my life right now, though, David. That doesn't. And then when we make it so personal, where I talk about you and your family, oh, does God have you and your family. So we'll apply the same thing to family. Family usually starts with a high, doesn't it? I mean, it's a, in theory, it's supposed to. That's what movies are made out of when you're dating. And you're like, you're so amazing. I want to do everything with you all the time. 24-7. I want to walk with you like this. We're just going to walk. <laughs> right? It's when you're like gross. Right? We, we talk about this, right? And when your know, idea of family, then, may, then maybe you do get married and, and these, like, let's have kids. And, oh, I can't wait to have kids. Our kids are not going to be like other people's kids. <laughs> when we go to a restaurant, they're going to sit there. They're going to fold the napkin onto their lap. They're going to sp- speak with a British accent. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, I mean. Right, am I the only one that, like, in family, you begin to. You begin to have like this this high of what like you have the day that your child is born, but then there's the day that you have an argument, and you're like, "This isn't, this isn't as high as I thought." <laughs> then, I I'm, I'm told about this that uh, your kids graduate, and, and then they start their own families, and you still have in your brain, yeah, but we're all going to be together for the holidays. I mean, they're going to want to come to our house. We'll multiply the gifts times two. But I mean, anyways, well, they're going to, and then they don't. And here, this is what I'm trying to point out because this is a big deal. This is, this is a huge deal. Uh, family comes with the highest expectations of any relationship you'll ever have. Right? And, then, and if you were willing, if you're willing to even dissect something like that, I know what some of you are feeling right now. That family can be the place of our greatest pain. If, If you say anything about having the highest expectations, like this is the biggest deal to me, right? What you don't realize you're saying or what I don't realize I'm saying at the time is, so that means if you have the highest expectations, it can also, the dark side of it, be the place where it hurts the most. And the reason I'm bringing this up, I feel like God wants us to deal with this in generations, is that where there is high expectations and some pain, letting your old self die, whoo that's tough. I read this already, but in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, either way, Christ's love controls us. Does it? If you need help with this, in my own family, we don't always talk to each other in a way that exudes that Christ's love is controlling us. And uh, when that happens, hurt happens. And when hurt happens, if you don't deal with it, generation after generation after generation has to deal with it. So I'll say something that you know, but I think it's worth bringing up. Family relationships aren't neutral. They just aren't. You might say, but I want them to be today. They aren't. There's nothing neutral about them. There is something I believe supernatural, incredibly special. It's why I'll tell you, if you're the parent of a child, guess what? God thinks you're the best option for that child. I think there's something divine about it. I'm telling you that if, you, if you're married right now and you're like, I don't know if this is working, I'm just telling you, and you feel, you feel the pain of it, but maybe you feel the joy of it, you would agree with me, you're going, yeah, this is not neutral in a new way. Most of us are not just blah, and if we think it's a blah, we're, <clears throat> we're lying to ourselves. So we gotta learn, we gotta learn. If you and I don't like, jack up the future generations, I hope that's of interest to you. We gotta deal with our expectations and the pains that we're experiencing. So let's learn. This will not be an easy sermon. Second Corinthians 5.15, he died for everyone. You know why I, you know I underlined everyone? Because if you, if you don't, you might think, well, yeah, the people I like, is, yeah. <laughs> everyone. Even the family members who have hurt you. Let, let me prove that, that this... Uh, can, can mess with us. When I just say, um, dad, father, some of you that stirs up good memories. And some of you, it stokes a fire. That's painful. Mom, uncle, aunt, brother, Sister, you see what happens to us? We, we begin to realize wait a minute, do I, do I think that he died for everyone or just the people who haven't hurt me? As a follower of Jesus Christ, we end up uh, seeing something. When our family has a relationship wreck, <laughs> our willingness to forgive gets tested. It just does. Um, it begins to do something in us that's difficult. Second Corinthians uh, keeps teaching us here. Uh, so we have s- stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a h- human point of view. How differently we know him now this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Some of you are like, is he just like going to guilt me the whole sermon? I'm not trying to. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this isn't just about, I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait to get to heaven. It, we learn through scripture, through God himself, that, that there's a new way of life. That I think sometimes needs like a, a pastor person to say, "So here's the verses that don't just talk about heaven, it talks about Earth and, and how to live here on Earth, how differently we know him now. This means that, that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, the old life is gone, a, a new life has begun. So basic principle about following Jesus Christ: Christians live by a different than normal set of rules. And if you don't agree with me, I thought I'd put the scripture back there. We have stopped evaluating others go back, oh, we have stopped evaluating others by a human point of view. Okay. Feels like, just feels like, I'm just gonna take some liberties here. It feels like there's a heaviness to this. And if you're anything like me at all, in my relationships, I regularly evaluate people from a human point of view. And I probably do that most so with my own family. When they mess up or when I mess up, when they hurt me or I hurt them. Are you using a human point of view and also being a follower of Jesus Christ? Second um, Corinthians keeps talking, keeps helping us here. And all of this is a, is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Now, this is where it begins to help us to go like, okay, so I feel super bad so far. I'm never reading 2 Corinthians 5 ever again. We're not going to read it as a family. We're going to cut it out of our Bibles. We, I don't like it, okay? I get this. So here's what we do. If, you, if, you're, if you're willing to stick with what God's got to teach us today, so, so now what? And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Now Some of you just misread that. Do you know that? What what you read is, and God's given us the task to reconcile every relationship we have. It did not say that. You have a task as a follower of Jesus Christ to reconcile. Reconciliation is a big deal, but specifically reconciliation to God, which means how you and I deal with how we hurt each other has spiritual implications. So, because most of us have moods and we're not in the mood to deal with pain and forgiveness and bitterness and hurt and all that, uh, we believe a lie and it's this, um, I I just don't care anymore. Cool, but no. Don't nod your head or raise your hand, this is not a stand-up time. If you've ever had thoughts with, yeah, my dad left us, I don't care anymore. No, you do. Uh, My brother did this to our our family, and I just don't care anymore. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I... um, We we used to be married, and when I see him, it doesn't even bother me. I don't even feel it anymore. I don't don't care anymore. Do you know that that's a lie? We're telling ourselves, we're telling ourselves it's a bit of a, a defense mechanism, or sometimes we've got people around us, and we don't want them to think like, oh, poor David, right? So we say, I don't care. I just don't care. I, I know that relationship is broken and, and there's animosity, bitterness, or we don't talk, or or I know that I'm so like just angry about what happened. I just don't, I just I just don't care anymore. Yeah, you can't uncare about your family. That's a rule of life. You can't do it. You could spend if you wanted, which I don't suggest this, the rest of your waking life going, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to not care anymore. It's impossible. That's why some of us begin to get into the temptation of numbing that pain muting it. Well, it still exists. It's a heavy one. So, um, whether whether you live in a home with family or you've had wounds or maybe it's been blissful, I hope so. I hope it's been awesome. Um, What do we do? No matter who you are, where you come from, what life's been like, whether you did the hurting or you've been hurt or whatever, what do we begin to do? Like, Jesus teaches us what to do, how to walk into a wreck. Did you know that? Jesus teaches us like literally, oh, so a wreck happened. Okay, here's how you walk into it because it's how he walked into um, your wreck and mine. It's really good. See this. Uh, John 1.14 says, and the word, that's Jesus if you don't know that, "and, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory. Don't miss that. I'll come back to that. And we saw his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. I've preached on this before. Grace and truth. How you and I need to bring grace and truth into every situation. Are you, are you willing to be vulnerable in church? Let's do this. Let's try this. This is not in my notes, but this will be fun. Online, do the same thing. Ease, come on. Who defaults to truth first? I'm going to raise my hand. Just okay. Some of us are willing. Okay. Who who defaults to grace first? No, I'm not raising my hand. I don't. Okay. So some of you are willing to participate. It's good. Right. I'm doing that to point out that most of us. Default to one or the other. That's all I'm trying to point out. And Jesus comes into our wrecks and say, um, "You're going to need both grace and truth." Now, here's what you may not know. I pointed out the word glory. If you went to the original language, when it talks about grace and truth, see, we begin, so we think logistically, especially as Americans, we think super tactically and practically. So grace and truth. pastor said it, scripture said it. All right, I need to bring grace and truth because, well, that's what Jesus did in my life, but you need to know why Jesus did this. You need to know why the writer, specifically John, is saying, I want you to know that Jesus came into our wreck with grace and truth. Some of us are thinking, well, because it works. <laughs> right? No, it's bigger than that. The original language reveals to us that John is simply revealing that the glory of God is Jesus' intention. And the way that he is going to bring in the glory of God, the, the way to talk about the glory of God was with grace and truth. In other words, Um, When a family applies grace and truth, the glory of God is on display. The original language, if you look at it like, I know we don't, I don't like reading Greek, frankly, maybe I'm supposed to, but I don't. And so you you look at the original language, like what's it saying, grace and truth? I take that little bite size, but the whole verse, you got to take the whole of scripture and the whole of scripture says that if you are a family, you have this privilege opportunity and I would call it a college to reflect the glory of God. So you might say, okay, cool. We'll go to church together. I will make my children sit next to me. And that's, that's good, okay. But is that reflecting the glory of God? Or, or or maybe it's as a family, like, well, well, we're gonna... We're going to do this. I'm going to make them do this. I want us to have our minds opened up a little bit that generation after generation, what they need from you and I is a reflection of the glory of God. And it's not just about wearing Christian t-shirts or telling people when they've been wrong, that the glory of God is both grace and truth. So the the plug in question here, how, how do I help my family display God? If you want to affect future generations, you can say, well, we're going to have these certain rules, which is fine, or, or, or we're going to have these talks, or I'm not going to let them do this, but I'm going to let them do that. That's all great. But I think a better conversation is, is to sit down with your family. Frankly, you could do this with your roommates. You could definitely do this as you're planning on getting married. How will we display God? If you go after this, by the way, you're talking about generations that could be changed forever. So obviously, it brings up the conversation of mirrors. So uh, I, I brought a mirror. I'm going to try not to burn anyone's eyeballs out. I make no promises. Hopefully, you've signed disclaimers. I don't know how that works. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Okay. So you. you We all know what a mirror does now? Okay, good. I'm going to try not to hurt anybody. Uh, Mirrors are are interesting. I know some of you hate mirrors. In fact, right now, you just saw yourself, and that's all you can think about. You're like, oh my goodness. thought it was better this morning. Um, Mirrors, by default, are designed to help you know what's really going on, correct? Yep. by, By default, you have a mirror somewhere in your house. I know some of you. You're hippies, whatever. You're like, we don't have mirrors. Uh, so I'm here to tell you, you got a booger in your nose, okay? <laughs> I mean. So we, we know that wh- whether you like what you see or not, you appreciate having the use of a mirror, right? I mean, just I, I know this is basic stuff, but important stuff that you do want to know if when you were putting your makeup on, like, did you slip and like, you, or... Or if, if you woke up and you slept on one side of your face and you didn't realize it and you're like, I mean, how, do, how do so many creases happen in a face? Right? You, you, you got me, right? You, this, this, this becomes your guess. I'd like you to think a little deeper than that, though. Do you know that faces are mirrors as well? Right? If you've ever hurt someone with something that you've said, you saw immediately in their face what you just did. And you saw a reflection of something. You, you immediately saw in their face. I, I have too many examples of this with, with Katie, where I have said something insensitively or, or with a tone, and all of a sudden I realize, yeah, that was different in my brain. And she becomes a mirror. I hope you understand family members, listen to me. I hope you understand your family, whether you want to admit this or not, your family is a mirror. Your family's a mirror. And it's not that everyone's stalking you and doing all this weird stuff. What we often don't even realize it, that in each other we are seeing, trying to find the glory of God in each other. We're trying to see what, especially if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're actually saying, not only like do I believe God exists, but my intention with my life is to, is to mirror to you, is to mirror to you the glory of God. So I many we get so caught up on the rules and the regulations of church and Christianity that we forget that literally, here's what tomorrow is supposed to be. You get up and do your best to reflect the glory of God. That's what you're called to do is reflect the glory of God. What's fascinating to me and breaks my heart is, is we walk out of the door and then start to ask those questions. And we don't realize that we woke up in a home where there was an opportunity to reflect the glory of God. Because we're thinking, well, you'll be there when I get back and I can fix whatever I just did. Or you signed a contract legally, you're going to be here. You see what we're doing? Rather than look at the other person and say, Guess what? I get to get it. I, today I get to figure out a way to reflect the glory of God to you. Don't forget what this means. It's not where, do not like start dressing in like white robes and wearing some fake. Hey, no, 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 no. How do you reflect the glory of God? The scriptures told us with grace and truth, both together. And the stories that I have to tell you are far too many. Whereas a parent, I often lead with truth and only truth. I grew up in a family that we, we regularly debated at the dinner table. Some of you are like glad I did not come from your family. And accidentally, not the intentions of my parents, but what I picked up was, okay, truth is the biggest, most important thing. And so I'm going to talk to you about truth. And once we get the truth resolved, then I'll be nice and give you some grace. Some of you grew up in a very hostile environment. Probably you're like, oh, I don't do that. Do the opposite. So you lead with grace, yet there is no truth spoken in your home. Or sometimes we change the truth because it doesn't feel very grace-filled. You see what we're doing? And Jesus said, you wanna fix a wreck? Grace and truth. Grace and truth. And if you study the life of Jesus, sometimes he turned tables over. And sometimes he'd healed people. 2 Corinthians, back to 2 Corinthians. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Woo, family. No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we would be made right with God through Christ. We are Christ's ambassadors. Reconcile the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. You know why we don't do this? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, that's it's a bit of a bait. Um, here, it's easy to get controlling when we get hurt. And, and when we get hurt, we get so controlling that our intentions are not to bring them back to God, or if it is, it's to bring them screaming and yelling and, and force them into the truth, right? But when you get hurt, you try to control the situation, meaning you either try to make sure that there's peace and you disregard the truth, or you make sure there's truth and you don't care about the peace. And this is what we're, listen, this is what we're passing down generation to generation to generation. And what we just learned in the Bible is Our call is to reflect the glory of God, yet this scripture gives us more language. What does that look like? We are ambassadors. Ambassadors every single day in our own family. So I thought, what's a picture of family? I thought I'd give you a picture of family. Anyone identify with this? Raise your hands, come on. let me know, okay. Just wanna know, okay. There are days, months, seasons, I mean, we're like, It's epically beautiful. Not too long ago, uh, Katie and I had to be in California for something. Um, And, and we had never sat and watched the sunset on the beach. Now we typically we, we love to go to the ocean, but we usually go to the other side where we see the sunrises and we're on vacation. So we don't see a lot of sunrises. And I'll never forget, frankly, um, I think it's etched in probably forever. The hour and a half that I had with my bride just watching the sun go down. I have way too many pictures in my phone. Most of us have those experiences, right? in a family, you remember those moments? like, "Oh, so good." But then we have these: dumpster fires. You feel the nervous going, how did he know? Because I have a family, right? This is how this works. Where you'll have a day that's epic, it's awesome, but then the next day comes and all of a sudden, someone did or said something and you're like, oh my goodness. You got this dumpster fire. The reason I'm showing this, no matter what your day looks like right now, no matter what your evening, your season, whatever, You are called to be an ambassador. To reflect the glory of God, if right now you're all you're seeing is sunsets, reflect the glory of God. If you currently have a dumpster fire in your family right now, reflect the glory of God. Paul David Tripp writes a lot about this. This is a long quote, but stay with me. If you're ever going to be an ambassador in the hands of a God of glorious and powerful grace, you must die. You must die to your plans for your own life. You must die to your self-focused dreams of success. You must die to your demands for comfort and ease. You must die to your individual definition of a good life. You must die to your demands for pleasure, acclaim, prominence, and respect. You must die to your desire to be in control. You must die to your hope for independent righteousness. You must die to your plans for others. You must die to your cravings for a certain lifestyle or that particular location. You must die to your own kingship. You must die to the pursuit of your own glory in order to take up the cause of the glory of another. You must die to your control over your own time. You must die to your maintenance of your own reputation. You must die to having the final answer and getting your own way, Pastor David. I'm just telling you, this is speaking to me. You must die to your unfaltering confidence in you. You must die. This is why we don't pass this on to generation after generation because it's stinking difficult. We must die. Paul David Tripp gives more color to this. We forget that God's primary goal is not changing our situations or relationships so that we can be happy, but changing us through our situations and relationships so that we will be holy. Reflecting the glory of God, grace and truth. And just for clarity, this isn't just something that Paul David Tripp brought up. 1 Peter 1, verse 15 to 16, but now you must be holy in everything you do just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. So if you have listened to this point, let me challenge you with the rest of your life. Reflect the glory of God. In any and every situation that you have an opportunity, reflect the glory of God. And your most challenging environment to do so will actually be with the people that are closest to you, because they will hurt you the most. But let's do it anyways. Grace and truth. Let me pray for us, Heavenly Father. God, my mind is brought to us as a whole church. Um, It's our desire that we would reflect who you are. That We wouldn't be a group of people who reflect anything other than you. But God, we have definitely messed up in our past where we reflected, I think, everything but you. God, would you help us to be a church, a group of people who follow you, who are learning about you, who are uh, intrigued by you, who are captivated by you, who are surrendered to you. Wherever we are, God, would would you Do something in our souls that says, Lord, that stokes this fire that says that we want to follow you and reflect you. Help us to be that kind of a person. I pray right now for the families whose lives look a lot like the dumpster fire. God, would you prompt every family member to consider grace and truth? We love you, Lord, and we ask that you do a supernatural healing in the lives of families in our church and beyond as a reflection of your glory. We pray this in your name. Amen.